0: Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly morning to you. Goodly morning, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing all right. The weather's good. The sun, well, it's, it's not shining, but it's somewhere behind the clouds. But it's got enough heat to get through the clouds. It's nice and warm here. So I'm doing all right on that, uh, on that basis. How about you? I
1: reckon it is still shining. You know, it's just the clouds that are preventing it. from yeah, I
0: guess that's technically correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be bad if it wasn't.
1: If it stopped shining. Well, I don't know. It'd be good for global warming, I guess. Uh, not good for crops. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. We probably need some sun for life. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm glad you're well. Um, I'm well as well. That's good. Yeah. I I suppose I I feel like – do you know that the Champions League final even happened? Are you aware? (laughs) Do you know what? I am aware,
0: obviously. I I chose not to watch it. I turned it on very briefly at one point just to have a look at the score. Mm. And I was treated to the sight of John Stones writhing around on the ground with a a torn shirt – and they showed some replays and they did some close-ups. And my big takeaway from the Champions League final or the entire Champions League season is that John Stones shaves his armpits.
1: Wow. That's the kind of acute observation that could land you a job with The Athletic.
0: <laughs> or indeed BT Sport, I believe. <laughs> um <laughs> We had so yeah, so, so many questions about
1: 80. this. I, yeah. I really we had a question about that. We had
0: loads like um yeah, or J McCready, who's at Wayland Utini on Twitter. Uh, said morning gents we've seen journalists returning to talk about the charges against city contextualizing their triumphs so why do we see the topic neglected by broadcasters the champions league final was the worst twerk job i've ever seen or heard and there were a couple on the discord as well uh, that i didn't pick out i I apologize but a number of people talking about the coverage on on bt sport um which i did not watch and i presume you did watch
1: I did watch a fair bit of it. I find it very funny that BT have to pay a huge amount of money for the Champions League, Europa rights, um, but then are obliged by law to screen the finals for free. Um, so they have to put them out for, for free. I think they're all on YouTube as well.
0: Ah.
1: Yeah, they don't really advertise that or talk about it very much, but I watched it uh, on YouTube. Okay, yes, it was still the BT coverage. Um, I mean it was all tricky anyway, because Jake Humphrey was all over it and I just find his presence quite hard to bear. Um there's a great thread actually during the rounds. I, I think he's leaving it. his post of his some of his finest moments. Many I, of which just sort of stare offs with a very angry Martin Keogh. I, I saw clearly.
0: I saw Yeah. Yeah. I mean
1: my really favorite enjoyed. of
0: that my favorite of that is the one where he's sort of he's trying to engage in a bit of banter with Keogh about being late for one of our yeah. Europa League games, and Keon says well, somebody threw themselves in front of a train. What was I to do? And <laughs> then know. he
1: goes, oh, well,
0: <clears throat> of course, that's uh, terrible and our sympathies. There's you know,
1: another it- one, I think, which is after Arsenal lost at Goodison Park, maybe, where Keown appears to sort of square up to Jake Humphrey <laughs> live on television. Um, I think this is, it sort of begins to say as much about Martin Keown as it does about Jake Humphrey, but it's good fun. Mm. Um, anyway, I did watch it. It was quite sickening. I feel it may have been a slip of the tongue, but at the full time whistle, the commentator said, uh, The greatest story in club history has an ending. I
0: mean, what the fuck does that mean?
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I hope he means in the club of Manchester, in Manchester City's history, but that wasn't how it came across. Mm. Coming. Matter of days after BT crudely repurposed the It's Up for Grabs Now line oh, yeah. uh, in the Conference League final, did little to endear the channel to me. I'm not doing my chances of a job with BT Sport uh, any favors here down the line, but they also, Des Kelly got Ilkai Gunduan to sign his little media armband during an interview, um, which was sort of surreal. Uh, I think I, think I saw they,
0: that he he auctioned that off then for charity or something.
1: We don't want to know about that, Andrew. <laughs> we're <laughs> Get going out of here too. with your facts and your redeeming qualities, right? Of, uh, Sorry, BT I apologise.
0: I take it no, back. Fair
1: play to him for that. I suppose maybe off air would have been a better time, but you know, he, he was caught up in the moment. Yeah. I think they were all sort of caught up in the moment, and it was a fairly uncritical commentary on um, cities' ascendance and treble mm. I have to be honest and say that i i don 't think that 's been the widespread media reaction i 've actually been sort of relatively pleasantly surprised by all the think pieces um, that have come out I, it um, 's a bit like sort of too little too late in some respects, but I have seen people trying to, and not just the usual suspects who you can sort of rely on to do this, but people trying to contextualize City's um, triumph and and what it Mm. means in a kind of, on a global political scale as well as a a football scale.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I suppose the the best thing you can say about it is that it's, it's probably annoyed the shit out of Manchester United fans.
1: There is that.
0: That was sort of the only slight comfort that that I had um, from it happening. I, you know, I just didn't want to didn't want to watch it.
1: Um, I, I really enjoyed in, in the press conference. Guardiola was asked about the United comparison and the treble, and he said, "You know, I received a text message this morning from Sir Alex Ferguson that really, you know, it made me smile." And I thought, <laughs> I hope it said "fuck you, you fucking <laughs> bored fucking cunt" or something like that.
0: It was so so nice, um, so nice text message from. Right. It really made me smile.
1: Um, yes, that was, I guess, <laughs> a nice thing to have. United's, you know, unique historic achievement, mm. which came at our expense, uh, kind of uh, superseded by a, another historic achievement that uh, partially came at our expense. Um, I, I found it, it, was very, it was a very surprising game. I thought City would walk it, to be honest, mm. and Inter made a game of it. Um, you know, they, they were in it for a long time and uh, Rodri, who was having a terrible game for Man City, it was striking after the match. In the, a lot of their post-game interviews, City players were talking about how poorly they'd played and how poorly they individually had played. Mm. Jack Grealish said, you know, I was crap during the game and... Uh, Rodri was similar. Rodri was awful, scored the goal. And then City was sort of, maybe not clinging on, but Ederson made a couple of good saves in the last five minutes. To Ooh, sort of
0: the Lukaku miss. Holy cow. Oh,
1: man. What a cameo from Lukaku. I mean, another United link there. But not only did he miss, he also blocked a goal-bound shot. Oh, um, God. Pretty much a goal-line clearance. I didn't, um, I didn't see Lukaku. that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Aye, oh, yeah, aye, yeah. So Inter will definitely come away with some uh, regrets. It was a very strange experience watching. I was sort of, you know, I, I really have a sort of acquired a real... Uh, fr- from apathy, I've moved to kind of distaste regarding Man City, um, perhaps given the course of events this season. Mm. And I... Uh, but i but i I do really like footballers, like I really like in general, I like footballers and I'm interested in them and i and 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 seeing these individuals kind of achieve crowning moments in their careers, I did sort of find uh, I don't know what's the word i i I admire them, you know, I, I do think like they're great players, and as much as I despise the kind of uh, sports washing agenda of the club. I have to be honest and say, I don't really hold the players accountable for that. Um, I do think by and large, they're just going to a team who play good football and are paying them a lot of money. Mm. And they probably don't think about it much beyond that. Um, So there was this sort of weird duality of being like, well, they're really good players and, you know, they've achieved their life's dream and they've worked for it for 15 years and, Good luck to them. That's sort of a, a great moment for them. But at the same time, undercut by sort of the slightly sinister edge to the whole city project. Yes. It was a very odd cocktail of stuff, I
0: found. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of this is what it's all been about. And now they have accomplished what they set out to accomplish, you know, through success and achievement and building, you know – I have to step back and be objective, a very, very, very good football team. One that I don't particularly care for. Uh, I don't really enjoy watching them because there's just sort of an, in- an in- uh, I'll try that again, an inevitability about most of their games. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's no sense of, uh, a contest, you know, which is what makes sport the most interesting thing uh, there is. You know, the idea that uh, even if there are disparate levels of quality, there is a measure of contest in a game or a sporting uh, matchup. And uh, I don't really feel that way about Manchester City. um, But they are clearly technically a, a very, very good football team. And now... uh. I wonder is it coincidence that now people are talking more about how the project was was made and built and put together? Uh because they've they've done the Champions League thing now, they they've won it. Is it a case that this is just more and more relevant because there are other clubs at it, there are other projects that are gonna be put in place, whether it's Newcastle, whether Uh, it's PSG, you know, that these things are, yeah, Manchester United, potentially, these things are becoming more and more prevalent in, in, in football and in sport. Um, we had a bit of a discussion about this on, on Friday on the Arsecast. Uh, and we were talking about the golf thing, you know, that happened last week and, and Rory McIlroy of all people basically just saying, well, you know, what, what can you do? the people who've got the money will will win in the end and that's what it comes down to and there's nothing anybody can do about it and Rory McIlroy is a pretty significant figure in the world of golf and he is just you know a small pawn in in the way that the money in that game is going to go so i don't know it's just um yeah it is distasteful and it is it is what it is but i think we're somewhat inured to it now um I don't know what you can do about it, like
1: it's happening all across sport
0: as cl- you said. yeah the cl- uh, the stable door is you can close it, but the fucking horse is he's down there he's
1: yeah. gone uh, and yeah yeah, you mentioned golf, I mean that was massive, obviously, the story of golf last week, and um boxing's a sport that's been you know heavily influenced by that kind of money and it's yeah it's there's many sports and and football continues to evolve accordingly you know we're seeing this influx of talent now to Saudi Arabia mm. uh, ahead of their bid to land the world cup um it's just the way things are moving and things are going but it yeah it yeah. is a bit uh It is a bit sort of depressing. Did you hold out any smidgen of hope that Pep might um, kind of uh, resign in this press conference and say, I've done it now?
0: No, no, because he's always talking about how, you know, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, and then, you know, gets to the point where he is supposed to stop and he keeps going. Um, I mean, I think at some point he is going to um, leave Man City and all the rest of it. I don't think it'll be soon, but I am interested to see how – um, you know, how they maintain the levels of motivation you need to follow up on a season where you've won the treble. Is there a sense, okay, maybe we have accomplished what we needed to accomplish, and uh, it might just take the edge off them a little bit? I don't know, but that could be wishful thinking on on our part, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe so. I mean... I was kind of hoping that might be the case with the Premier League. I think the trouble with Man City is they don't have to look that motivated for mm. the whole season. Like yeah. they didn't look very motivated until the World Cup and the season just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet their results were still good enough to keep them in, in touching distance of the top. And in the second half of the season, when they were motivated and everything did click, mm. they were completely unstoppable. Yeah. Um. So they only have to turn up for half the season to win it by and large, uh, which is a bit of an issue Yeah, because it's, it's, they were drifting. You know, they did look like they were drifting in kind of October, November time and then just really got their shit together in a big way. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd yeah. be very curious to see. I mean, I don't think, I can't think when the last team to win four titles in a row Was I mean, doing three is is known to be very difficult. I think Ferguson was the last to do that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe between our titles in 98
0: and 2002. Um, Has has anyone done... I think
1: he did it again, actually. I think he did it again after that. But I don't know if anyone's done four for a long time. There's
0: been some threes. Obviously, you can go back to... Huddersfield and Arsenal in the thirties, Liverpool. I imagine in the in the eighties, Liverpool did two, then Villa, then three, and Man United. Man United have done three. Man United have done three, and now City have done. Yeah, so nobody's done four as far as I can see. I'm just having nobody's a done four. Nobody's for a done very, four very,
1: very long time. I th-
0: I don't yeah. think ever.
1: So there you go. They've got that to to shoot for. I mean. Maybe it, you know that I, I think the fact that no one has done for is indicative of something, right? It's because teams have a, a life where they are yeah. at their peak, and also because motivation does become more difficult after you reach the highest of highs. And um, sure, but but, but also, Jack- sorry,
0: I just I just don't think that the there has been an entity like Manchester City before. Like, you, no. there's been big clubs and there have been successful clubs, but those those things have been um, built or developed over time organically, etc., cetera, et cetera, whereas there's something quite sterile about Manchester City. Like, the whole thing is like a bunch of scientists sat down and said, how do we create the perfect football team? You know, from the money, the investment, the – the the backroom staff, the manager, you know, the, the way that they paved the way for, for Guardiola. It was like they were hatching a football egg and now the egg is ready to go, you know? I had that, what, eggs don't go anywhere. What am I talking about? But you know what I mean? That that city is like, it's sort of artificial. It's alien in a way that none of the other big successful clubs were. Like an he egg.
1: It feels like a great... <laughs> uh way to characterize it really it is kind of like a a level of um malevolent intelligence that has kind of invaded sure. our leagues yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah i mean you know i, I would yeah it's, you've got to be cautious with that kind of language i suppose but it, it, it's uh it is interesting and it is a different kind different quality of dominance to that which liverpool and united have shown in the past but maybe there is some hope to be derived from the fact that these these things do tend to come in threes. Maybe mm. there is some um, something to be drawn from that. I, I, I hope so. In a way, had City strolled it as I thought they would, had they won a canter three or four nil, I think the mm. post-match commentary would have been even more kind of framed around the sort of sporting questions that this raises. I think the fact that it was a relatively close game with some dramatic moments, kind of um, dampened that a little bit. Sure, I understand. I understand what you're
0: saying. We should move on, though, and talk about the good news that dropped over the weekend, and that is the fact that Arsenal have found an agreement with William Saliba over a new contract, a four-year deal, still to be signed, of course, but the agreement is there, and that is a very, very important renewal Um, even if you can take a, a, a lot from the players that we've already tied down. For reasons that we've discussed on this podcast plenty of times before, this one felt like just a little more complicated and there was a sense of worry, obviously, because you know he's going into the final year of his contract. He's a very, very good player. There would have been overtures, I am sure, from big clubs. I know that PSG were definitely interested and you would imagine that via the kind of back channels that, that that operate in football, that, you know, it would have been made known to Saliba that if his contract at Arsenal was to run out, there would be, um, you know, uh, interest from very many big clubs, I think. So on that basis, you can understand why people were worried. Hence, I think this has to be framed as extremely good news for Arsenal uh, and for Arsenal fans.
1: Definitely. I mean... You, you know, Arsenal fans were absolutely united in expressing their joy when David Orson, uh broke the story that the agreement was there. I think there's an argument that even though he wasn't a signing last summer, he was kind of potentially one of the signings of the summer, you mm-hmm. know, for us, the way he came in back from his loan. And I think renewing his contract could see him, you know, given that mantle again, potentially. I think it's that important. I think there was that bit of jeopardy. Um, and to get it over the line as well like relatively early mm-hmm. in the summer yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to not have that kind of lingering and inviting potential bids giving the club decisions to make I just think it's great and I think it sends a real message to our competitors to Europe to everyone mm-hmm. to have Saliba agreed I mean obviously it will be signed and announced in due course to add to Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, um, Saliba's defensive partner, Gabriel, mm-hmm. Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale plays behind them. Mm. Reece Nelson, you know, is going to sign. I don't think that's necessarily quite in the same bracket, but to have that core of young players, young stars, all locked in for the next few years, mm-hmm. I think is incredibly important.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, we've always said here that, while there are definitely, or there were reasons to be worried or slightly trepidatious about it, Saliba always looked happy. You know, he looked like a guy who was connected with his teammates, connected with the fans, um, you know, the way he reacted to um, to to various moments this season. You know, you don't do that unless you're fully bought in, you know? And that kind of gave me... Um, a little bit of comfort, I guess. So I think we probably have to give credit to Edu and to Richard Garlic and the people behind the scenes because contract renewals have been, could you say an area of weakness? Or, you know, we've had certain situations which, which have left us with some residual trauma as a fan base, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, the improvements have been obvious.
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, I've said it many times. There are three parts to Eddie's job, recruitment, retention, and sales. I think recruitment, he made a really positive impression by and large. Retention, you know, sales, sales, there's still that question mark. Retention, there had been a bit of a Mm -hmm. question mark, but I think he's done really good work over the last few months. Uh, And I think the squad looks really strong moving forward. Um, I think it's great. I just think it's great news. And I'm delighted because Saliba... He does look happy, but more than that, he looks absolute quality on the mm. pitch. And obviously we missed him enormously towards the end of last season. I think Edu and Richard Garlick do deserve credit, but I also think this is about where the club is now. It's easier to get players to sign for Arsenal right now than it has been for some time. And the fact is, you know, we're talking about some of the best young players in Europe here in Saliba, Martinelli, Saka and others. They want to be here. Mm-hmm. And a good deal of our transfer targets and you know some of the most prized players in various leagues want to be here. Mm. He might be at Chelsea now, but Mikhailo Mudric wanted to be here. Uh, he might still be at Brighton, but Caicedo was very clear. He wanted to be here. From what we hear and understand, Declan Rice wants to be here. Arsenal has become, once more, a really... Um, a really valuable destination for people, for players. They see what we're doing, they see this project, they see the atmosphere, the stadium, everything. They want to be part of it. Mm. And it feels like some time since Arsenal had that kind of allure as a calling card, you know, where you could say the name Arsenal to a player, an agent, and their head would turn. But I think. We've really, really reestablished that in quite a powerful way. Yeah,
0: I agree. Uh, we had a, a question from the Discord, from Doozy123. Uh, he said, How helpful are the new contracts for Saliba Saka, et cetera, when it comes to transfers and uh, attracting new players? Is it now easier for Arsenal to show potential signings they'll be taken care of and paid handsomely for sticking around? Um, or do you think this, you know, really has any kind of an impact? I mean, just to sort of answer that, I think it probably makes your life easier when the club is good and when you've secured your best players and you can sell that to potential arrivals, you know? Do you want to come and play with Saka and Saliba and Odegaard and Martinelli? It's a lot different from, do you want to come and play with Mustafi and co. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it would be far easier uh, for a person trying to do an incoming deal to sell that as a very attractive prospect rather than sort of saying, well, you know, we could really use you to raise the level of the squad because, you know, we're a bit crap at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a right-sided centre-half who was hoping to play 38 games in the Premier League next season, the Saliba contract might not be good news. But (laughs) generally um, I think it is, and it shows a club that's moving in a really positive direction. And I think it is important that players feel that they'll be rewarded. Mm-hmm. You know, Gabriel Martinelli, he signed his recent contract. It wasn't he had quite a long way to go, didn't he, on his previous yeah. one? Yeah. But ultimately, his status in the squad had changed. I think Aaron Ramsdale's contract was similarly important in that he only arrived two years ago, but the club recognised, "Well, you're now performing at a level greater than what we had re- rewarded you for before." Sure. And I think it sends a really positive message to the squad that if you perform, you will be rewarded. And I've seen some comment about the length of some of these deals. You know, Saliba and Saka, four-year deals, could they have been six, seven, eight? And I think genuinely the, the conversations between agent and player will have been like, well, listen, if we continue to progress and you continue to progress, in two years' time, we will be sitting down to talk again. And I yeah. think that the club are realistic that if you've got people whose star is on the rise, unfortunately, you are going to have to talk terms with them every couple of years, because if you don't, somebody else will. And mm. I think the club recognise that now. And I think for, for a player in that squad, I think it must be hugely encouraging to think, you know, I'm not just going to sit on my contract if I do well here. I can be rewarded,
0: yeah absolutely, absolutely, um, and it's a smart way of doing it, you know there are all kinds yeah. of ways to motivate people and motivate players, and I think even something like the the Elnenni contract, which we talked about a bit it it demonstrates that you know if you put in the work, if you're a good guy, and I don't just mean you give someone a contract because they're a good guy, but You know, if you've been professional and if you've been injured in the line of duty, so to speak, for Arsenal, that there is, uh, you know, there's a a willingness to take care of you in that sense. Um, Yeah, I
1: I, I completely agree. I think that was absolutely the right thing of the club to do. And um, yeah, I feel very sort of strongly about that, actually. mm. I I think like you know, you've got to stand by your players, particularly when they're hurt and they're probably unlikely to get a contract elsewhere. Yeah, For a player who was really, really popular and like a consummate professional, I think that was definitely the right move.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, I saw some reporting on Reese Nelson's contract, a uh, mm. five-year yeah, or four-year deal um, with an option for another one earning a hundred grand a week with a 5 million pound signing bonus.
1: Wow. I mean, yeah, I saw that as well. It came from, uh, Santi Auna, I think. Yeah. Foot Mercato. I can't comment on if it is true. I don't know. Um, I mean, it would be in line with the kinds of figures we read about as regards Eddie and Ketia mm-hmm. when he renewed his contract in a similar situation last summer. Um, it, it, I think Eddie had sort of, to be honest, maybe had greater first team impact by that point in time than than Reese still has. You mm-hmm. know, um, so I do think those numbers are quite striking if they are correct. I imagine the club are making a similar calculation as they did with Nketiah, which is, you know, we've never paid a transfer fee for for this player. Um, His contract might be worth X, but if we sell him, you know, potentially we make that money back. Uh, It's still a lot cheaper than buying another winger of his quality, they'll assess. I don't know. What did you make of it?
0: I, I mean, I I think it's a very very good deal for Reese Nelson. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. if those are accurate figures, and I know that that um, you know maybe a hundred grand a week, as ridiculous as it sounds, isn't necessarily the the sort of the big number. It still sounds like, if you know what I mean, yeah. in the in the context of Premier League salaries and all the rest of it. Uh, but I think I think it's a an amazing deal for him because of just how little he played. Like he didn't start really many games last season. I know he was injured and all the rest of it and he did have some valuable contributions as we know, but in terms of overall playing time, it you know, he really didn't play a great deal. So, on that basis, I think it's a it's a an excellent deal for him, but I'm guessing, and it is only guessing, of course, that, you know, you can talk about protecting the value of a player and maybe selling him down the line and all the rest of it. But they, they're not handing this out as a charity either.
1: No, you're they, absolutely right.
0: they they must feel like they can ring some value from Reece Nelson on the pitch. It's not just to say, well, in two years time, we can sell him for X amount of money because we tied him down to, to this contract. So, you know, I think he's still got plenty to prove, plenty to prove, and maybe that is a good thing. You know, in in that he's going to be motivated and um, he's secure at least in his future, and he understands where his place is in the squad. I think he's obviously been uh, aware of interest from other clubs where probably potentially he could play more than he's going to at Arsenal. Um, but Arsenal must, at the same time, see enough in Reese Nelson to, to give him those terms and to make him a key part of the the first-team squad. I suppose it is an easy way, and I, I'm not saying this to be critical, but when Arteta talked about needing 17, or what did he say? He said, you need 22 or 24 players all fit and ready to go at the end of the season. Good luck with that. But, you know, it's clear he wants a bigger pool of players to pick from next season, that this is a relatively easy way of, of doing that.
1: Yeah, I think you you make a good point there um, because you don't give this out lightly. And, you know, you say he needs, he's needs he got a lot to prove. And I think it's certainly true he's got a lot to prove to, to you and to me and to the wider fan base. But I do think Mikel Arteta is pretty convinced about his talent. Um, I, I, it rem- really sticks in the mind. Do you remember that press conference where he was being asked about his attacking options? And they said, you know, you've got Martinelli, you've got Saka you got Trossard, you got Smith-Rowe and mm. Arteta chimed in and said, yeah, and Reece. Um mm. And it just felt like a moment where it was, he was sort of saying, don't forget about this guy. You know, I really think he has a part to play. Um, obviously, the Bournemouth goal will live long in the memory and some people will probably tell you that alone warrants a new contract. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, they must be thinking that he's got a part to play next season. Um, and Arteta, you know, I think he's think he first encountered Nelson when he was 16 you know when Mm. he was uh, doing his coaching badges with the academy and I think ever since then he's kind of had a bit of a soft spot for him as a player Um, clearly it's still there it would be amazing to see him fulfill his undoubted potential at Arsenal Um, we'll just have to wait and see where those opportunities come so he'll be 24 at Christmas so Mm. It's crunch time for him now, isn't it? It's kind of like he's. It's. It's. I, mean, I feel like we've said this before, but it, it's make or break for him now. I think at Arsenal.
0: I think so. I think so. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, he can step up next season. Um, in terms of news, I don't think there's much else happening from an Arsenal perspective. There's a link to Timothy Castagna, the Leicester fullback. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, how aware are you, uh, if at all, of interest in him? Um, and, and what do you make of it? I, I think it's one of those where it's kind of a functional signing, if that makes sense, where if you're going to spend big, big money on, on key positions, when you're looking to add more depth in the defensive part of your team, something like this, a guy who's 27, he's got lots of Premier League experience, which you know Arteta likes, international experience with Belgium as well. It, it, it makes sense on that basis, doesn't it? Because it's probably a fairly affordable deal.
1: Yeah. I, do you know what? It's I'm quite enjoying the summer because, as I say, I'm on, I'm on paternity leave from The Athletic. And ordinarily, in a case like this, if I wasn't already across it, I'd see this link and I'd be obliged to kind of <clears throat> hurriedly contact people on every end of the deal and try and find out the mm. veracity and basically be a pest. People people uh, saying, can you talk to this journalist when all you really want to do is get on with your actual job? Um, and so it's quite nice just sort of seeing a link and being like, hmm, I wonder if that's true and uh, <laughs> not having to uh, worry about it. Um, and the bits and pieces I am hearing are sort of coming to me more organically, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I can, I can well believe it actually. Um, I sort of think, A kind of Cedric 2.0. It sounds a bit um, Mm. uninspiring, describing it in that way. But, you know, he's Belgian international, played in the World Cup, can genuinely play both sides, right back and left back, pretty effectively. Experienced, 27 relegated clubs, so potentially Mm. might get a knockdown on the fee. Um, Premier League player, or admittedly, didn't have a great season like it, like the rest of his teammates, but playing in a bit of a basket case of a, a club last year, um, I find it plausible. Mm. I know that you know we've we've discussed that fullback is an area of focus. I think Belgium as well has been a bit of a happy, or well, certainly a hunting ground for this Arsenal recruitment team. Like there have been a lot of connections there. Um, if you look at it, I mean Sambi, of course, coming out of Andelect, Trossard, who's played at Genk under Stuvenberg. Um, I think Mikel is quite connected with Roberto Martinez, who has obviously you know had his time as a Belgian manager. Mm. Um, Stubenberg himself has, has worked extensively in that country. I think you know there are connections there. So I do find it plausible. I've seen a few Arsenal fans uh really unhappy about it but I I don't think it's a deal where he'd be coming in to play week in week out sure
0: sure Uh, I I don't think so either and I think you know you do have to maybe adjust your expectations as to the level of certain players that you're going to bring in if there are designs to bring in a couple of big players rice and whoever else then you do have to cut your cloth a little bit Unless you're a club like Manchester City, you know?
1: Yeah, Um, exactly. And I think it it can go either way. You know, I I mentioned the Cedric signing, and I think by and large people aren't, uh, you know, weren't entirely happy with how that one panned out. But mm. then, you know, Jorginho came in in January, and I think by and large did very well. So sometimes you can pick up a Premier League player who's kind of ready to plug and play, and uh, I think it can be quite beneficial. It's just... You know, if, if they believe in the player, I think for the most part, their talent identification and recruitment has been sufficiently good that I'm prepared to sort of... Um, sure. What's what's the word? Uh, have some faith. Have some faith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, here's the bit
0: of the podcast where I'm sure over the weekend, James, you have been, you know, studying both the Arsenal squad, the transfer market in, in real depth and you've come up with your predictions for what we're going to do in the transfer market this summer.
1: Either that, Andrew, or I've just remembered this um, feature. It's one of those two things.
0: Is it indeed one of those two things? I struggle to figure out exactly which one it is, and Mm. I'm, I'm just going to make this clear. I certainly was not reminded of it by somebody in the Discord. That did not happen. I, shortly
1: before we recorded,
0: shortly before we recorded, I I absolutely did not uh, look at a message from Mister Rightside who said, "Goodly morning, not so much a question, but a reminder that we haven't forgotten about the transfer predictor Tron promise." So that did not happen. Okay, okay, it's good to know that. So, that? so uh, and and just just as well, if it sounds like I'm making shit up as I go along, that's just the way it is with podcasts. You've got to be sort of conversational and. Let it flow. You don't want it. You don't want it to sound too scripted, you know. Hundred percent. So let's let's start with with sales. Let's see what we think we're going to generate via sales. Um, okay. And we'll have a look at some of the 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 obvious candidates for that. First one, Kieran Tierney. W- what do you think we're going to get for Kieran Tierney?
1: Well, we've had this debate. I know, but
0: you know, let's. Let's put your money where your mouth is. I'll say 35 for me. 35 million. Okay. I'm going to go for, I think we'll 32 million. That's what I think. Hang on. You were
1: asking for 50
0: the other week. I know. I'm not saying what I wouldn't ask for. I'm saying what I think we'll get.
1: (laughs) I didn't see that coming. Okay. Okay. Um, all right are you keeping tally of these
0: i am i've actually got a google spreadsheet here uh let me just uh Arscast, extra transfer predicti Predicty thingy
1: okay great so that's kieran tierney on his bike on his bike we, we know about pablo marie don't we oh yes actually yeah it's six million isn't that right uh, yeah, five to six million euros. Um, well, let's call it five million pounds then, just to sort of. Oh, it's six million, apparently, according oh, to reports. Right. So let's say six million sterling. Okay. So six million. We've got that
0: uh, already. I think we could let Rob Holding go this summer. Okay. And I think we would get
1: 12 million. Okay. I'm going to say that Rob will stay. Oh, <gasps> okay. I don't know. Maybe he won't. But you know how I always say, like, they don't all leave. You think they're all going to leave? They don't all leave. I feel like he might be one who. Doesn't.
0: Okay, okay. Um, G- Granite Jacker. We sort of know what's happening there, don't we?
1: In Can, that- I, can I just say? Yes. I think Granite Xhaka is going a bit cheap, from what I'm reading. Yeah. What is it like? Thirteen million. That's the report. Mm. Well, you can't buy anything for that. He's just torn it up in the Premier League. I don't know. I mean, I, pff, I, I yeah, I doubt it. From all the reporting, it won't be over fifteen. But I, do you feel like that's an absolute bargain?
0: Thank I don't. You see, what I would need to know or understand better is the financial might or otherwise of Bayer Leverkusen what sort of uh what, what sort yeah. of transfer fees do they normally pay do they go big are they you know a I don't
1: know we need Lewis Ambrose to tell us about what's happening in Germany
0: because nobody has any money apart from uh Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund who are going to have a fucking shit ton of money as soon as they sell um Jude Bellingham So let me just have a look at that. There's
1: some talk about Bayern looking at Shaka, but I don't, I I think that might not be the case.
0: No. Um, I mean, I'm looking here. Last summer, their big outlay was 13 million euros. Yeah. um, The summer before,
1: 23. 23 On Kosunu, yeah. Listen, they're not huge. 26 million euros on Patrick Schick from Roma. They're not big, but they sold Kai Havertz for eighty million that summer. So yeah. it was a bit different. I mean, they yeah they tend to sell higher than they buy. Leon Bailey went to Villa for big money.
0: Brand um on.
1: yeah. All right. Well, let's say it's thirteen for Shaka, but I'm just saying. I don't know. Part of me feels like that's that's not great. I um, think we
0: yeah. He's I know worth he's thirty more.
1: and all these things.
0: I think he is worth more.
1: I definitely I think really he's
0: worth it. more. Um. Right. Who else could go? Cedric. I think Cedric will go for. I think he'll go, but I don't think. For no million. Yeah, same. Zero millions for Cedric, uh, along with a carriage clock and a gold watch. Nuno Tavares. Do you think Nuno Tavares will go?
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think he will. What do you think we
0: will get for him? No, no.
1: Seven million, maybe. Okay.
0: And that's what we paid, so we're getting our money back.
1: Yeah, I'll go for that. What about you?
0: I think he might be a I think he? Yeah, might be- I can see that. Yeah. I think he might but be a uh, Austin Trusty.
1: I think... Well, Birmingham are going to want to buy, him, but they can't afford it. Presumably, I think he'll probably leave on loan again. I think the reasons he was brought to the club are sort of are still the same, you know. So I think he'll loan again. Was it? I mean, but high... was
0: what wasn't the idea of bringing him to the club, you know, to put him on loan and therefore sell him and make some money? Was that not
1: partly about that, but I also think it was as much to do with like the relationship with America and the other KSC clubs i'm not I'm not, I'm not downplaying his ability or anything. I think mm. he, he can play and they picked him for a reason. but I think there was a sort of sense of like this is something we want to do to kind of mm. bring a sort of a sense of continuity across the franchises and wow, what a horrible phrase that was um, <laughs> I, I I think he'll be loaned to a higher level.
0: Loan to a higher level than the championship.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think we'll sell him for £4 million. Okay, that would be good. Yeah.
1: Um, Albert Sambi-Lokonga. Loan, I think. I don't think he's done enough. Unless Burnley buy him, I can't see anyone else buying him. Same.
0: I think it'll be a loan. I think it might even be a loan even if it's Burnley. Yeah. He's got a contract till 2026, 20, exactly. so they might Only just go back Maybe.
1: Um,
0: Pepe? I think he will absolutely go, but I am guessing zero million for Nicolas Pepe. I don't yeah. know who would pay. I don't know who's going to pay for him. I mean, you might get like a five million deal, but I guess one of the impediments to him going anywhere this summer is the 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 wages that he would be on would probably be outside the remit of any club that might be interested in him right now
1: i'm gonna put five million and i don't know what form that will come in do you know what i mean like it might be a fee it might be Mm. like a buyout it might be um a loan expensive loan fee or something to take over the final year as contract i think we will get Some money in for him, and I think he will go. So I'll stick down five five, million. A very optimistic five million.
0: Okay. Um, Charlie Patino, he wants to go. What do you think we'll get for Charlie Patino?
1: I've got no idea.
0: Me either. I was thinking about this. I, you know, uh, could talk myself into anything from two to nine million or something, but I think probably
1: two with clauses. Two with clauses. Hmm. I'll go a bit higher than that. Okay. I'll go five with clauses. Okay. Um, Flo Balagun. Mad predicting transfer values, isn't it? Because like, is. you you know, before it could just be Mudrick one hundred million, or Shaka, thirteen. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. it, it it all depends who's buying, what the competition is like. Yeah. Um, Balagun. So my thinking here is that Arsenal could and maybe should do a deal which has a slightly lower fee, but slightly more in the back end for us. Um, do so, mean, you know, like
0: buy back or?
1: Buy back, sell on. I, I think that's maybe you know the what you have to factor in. So I think he'll go for... I don't know. Oh, I've got all sorts of numbers in my head. Maybe like 29 million. 29 million pounds.
0: Yeah. That's that's impressive.
1: Um, I think that's a lot. Maybe that is a lot, actually.
0: I mean, I would say 22.
1: Can I change mine to 25? Because that's yes. what I. That's what I thought first, and then I've imagined people shouting at me on the internet, mm. but again, with clauses, with clauses, with clauses, yeah, mm. I'm trying to think if there was a player in Liga who'd scored that many goals, I feel like they'd go for more than that, famously, we bought Pepe for seventy two million yes, <laughs> <laughs> but
0: um, yes, fool me once and all that um.
1: I've changed my mind. I'm going to go up to 30 on Balogun. Okay. 30. Final answer. Final answer. 30.
0: 30. And I'm still at 22. Should I revise upwards?
1: No, I think I think that yours is quite realistic with, with a decent sell on. Mm.
0: Is there then anybody else who you see departing that we could inflict?
1: We've not Dan I notice. Uh,
0: yes. <laughs> I think he will go, yes. Mm. mm. Um, um, I don't okay. think he will add to the tally. Let me say this, that I think there could be a mystery sale yeah, of around 31 million pounds. Wow. But I don't know who it is. And oh, nobody well. asked me. I don't have any information. I just think that there might be a player that goes for a reasonable amount of money uh, but we don't know anything about it yet.
1: Can I just throw a couple of names at you? Sure. Um, Jorginho, Do you give any credence to those reports from Italy? Uh, uh,
0: I don't. I mean, I don't know the source of them well enough to say whether they're reliable. But it's one of those that makes. A fair amount of sense, doesn't it? Because uh, because of his connection with Sari and all the rest. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be overly surprised if that one happened, but it won't be for 31 million.
1: Yes, that's fair enough. Um, what about, I mean, could it be Thomas Partey?
0: Could be. Could be.
1: I, I haven't got him in my list, but I do have a feeling that, that you know, we've spoken about it. That that he could join Granite mm. Um Okay, well, yeah, I, I, no, I'm not going to have. Am I going to have the mystery departure for 31 million? No, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm going to. I'm going to say I'm going to not have it. Okay. So that means totalizers, please. Oh, do you want me to uh, tot it up here?
0: So yeah. you are predicting. Thirty-five. It's probably a button you can press. Is that <laughs> probably? But I don't know how spreadsheet, um, uh. you know, uh, mechanics work. I just put the numbers in the little bits and then add them up manually, like a idiot. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So thirty-five plus six plus thirteen plus zero plus seven plus five plus five plus thirty. You've got us bringing in a hundred and one million, which. You know, when I say that out loud based on what we've done in the not-too-distant past, sounds absolutely absurd.
1: Hang on. I've got that number as 111 when I asked a computer to add it up. So Really? Yeah. So hang on. Is that right? 35 for Tierney. Oh, yeah. Six for Pablo Marie. That's Uh 41. 13. Uh, 13 is 44. 54. Yeah. Seven. For Nuno Tavares is 61. Yeah. Plus 40 for Pepe and Patino. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah. And then 30 makes 101.
1: Oh, I put 40 instead of 30. That was my mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And people say AI is going to take over. How can it? Can't even.
0: Can't Computers even...
1: can't even correct my mistakes. Yeah, 101. So I've got... Let me
0: see what I've got here. I've You're going to have more than me. You realise that. I know, which is e- even more absurd. So We I've do got... this every 12.
1: every summer, Andrew. We think we're going to actually sell players. And it
0: never happens. We're fools. Maybe we're the problem. Maybe we should stop.
1: Maybe we should just say, we're not going to get anything for anyone, all right? <laughs> That's it. So I've got... You've got us bringing in 400 million. I've got syntax
0: error. That's what I've got. 91. (laughs) I've got 90. Is
1: this good radio? Yeah.
0: I've got 91 million without my mystery sale. And with my mystery uh, sale, I've got 122 million. Okay. I'm going to
1: say now we're both wrong.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I feel confident in predicting that. Yes, that we are that we are both going to be wrong here.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, it's
0: a nice idea, though, isn't it? It is. Let's not do it in such detail when it comes to incomings. Just give me your grand total on what we're going to spend, our gross outlay on players. Okay. This. this I, I am going
1: to break it down very quickly. Right. I'm going to say ninety million on Declan Rice. Yeah. Right. I'm going to say 20 million each on a pair of fullbacks. Okay. Maybe one can play centre-half as well. I don't know. Two defenders. I'm going to say uh, 40 million on another central midfield player that isn't Caicedo, in my (sighs) opinion. And another 40 on an attacker. Okay. So that's eighty. Plus 90. It's 210
0: million is what you've predicted there. Is it? Well, yeah, 90 plus 20 is 110, plus another 20 is 130, plus 40 is 170, and you've just set another 40 then on top of that for an attacker, which That's is 210 lot, man, million. It? But That's if you're a bringing in 101, it's it's hardly anything. Um, 210 million. I'm going to say...
1: <sighs> this isn't going to happen. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go two thirty.
1: Really? How mm. many pla could, could we get some a breakdown of how no. many players you think? No. Okay.
0: N- no. I'm not prepared to divulge that information at this point. No, I think we will I think we will bring in two central midfielders. I think we'll bring in one more defender. Right. And I think we'll bring in another attacker of some kind, whether it's a striker or a winger. I'm not quite sure.
1: You're forgetting something, Andrew. What? How much Mikel Arteta loves signing defenders? Mm. You don't remember the summer when everyone was like, "We need a centre forward. We need a, a playmaker." And he immediately spent fifty million pounds on Ben White when we had William Sleeper, <laughs> and everyone lost their mind. I think he loves defenders.
0: I think he's he's coming close to completing his collection of Defender stuff.
1: he'll never complete the collection <laughs> Defenders like pokemon he's got to catch them all i yeah i think it's listen i think that's not unreasonable to think that we might spend 200 million in the market mm. is it i feel like we nearly did that you know a couple of summers ago or i'm so. sure we did i'm sure we did um, maybe the summer 150 of 50 or so. Uh, Arsenal transfer of history. Here we go. You know, when everyone, everyone was shouting about how we were the biggest spenders in the market. Um, uh, you know, it was the summer uh... of, of. So yeah, I mean, last summer and January. So across the course of last season, we spent, according to Transfermarkt, 192 million. Mm-hmm. The summer before that, the Ben White summer, 167. Now, bear in mind, in neither of these summers were we in the Champions League Mm. or bringing in a hundred million pounds in sales. Exactly. What I would say is we probably are in the right sort of ballpark in terms of the expenditure. Based on previous experience, we've probably overestimated both who we will be able to sell and how much we will get.
0: For for sure, for sure. But you know, let's let's just have this as a sort of a challenge for Edu and Richard Garlic and all of them. This should be their challenge. Someone post this yeah. up on the Highbury house, on the room. office wall. Exactly. This is what they said on that podcast. See if you can yeah. do it. We'll time you. We'll time you. <laughs> um, well, look, time will time will tell as to how wrong or right we both are. Um, Lana's getting very upset out the back there. Probably magpies. Mm. Um, yeah, time will tell. But we have a, a digital record of it now, so no longer has this been scribbled down on a pad in my office and then <laughs> lost within a couple of days. It's here, and we can revisit that when the window closes. When it, sorry, when it slams shut in September. Uh, How about guys, that, guys?
1: Rep- reply to if you you know see the podcast tweet on Twitter or elsewhere. Well, no, probably be on Twitter if it's tweet. Um, reply with your predictions and then, you know, in a few months' time you can come back and crow about how you were right and we were so dumb. Mm. As we inevitably will be. Maybe we should have a prize for whoever gets the closest. If they get the exact numbers. Yeah. With clauses. they win that sum of money. Yeah. Combined. <laughs> Deal? Uh, let me have a think about that one. Take it out of the patron. <laughs> All right.
0: Will we take a break? We'll do some questions. We've got to do some questions because this, of course, is an RSCast Extra. So let's take a little break here. We'll fly through as many questions as we can in part two right after this. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two, where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnarblog and at Arseblog, also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arseblog member on Patreon um would you like to go first um no no okay <laughs>
1: yeah. fair enough no i yeah you go first andrew go
0: on all right uh, after you sir all right wise marklar says what are your expectations wait wait,
1: wait. i forgot i forgot let's do this <laughs>
0: <laughs> i feel like this still needs some work
1: it's it's happening so organically it's just like just taken off, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Everyone was sitting there waiting for it, and then they were going, "Oh, it didn't
1: People happen. keep sending me photos of tattoos they've got that say, "Let's do this." No way. Incredible. Really? Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> right. If someone out there gets tattoo that says, "Let's do this," you win the two hundred million. Okay. <laughs>
0: i feel so stupid now i can't continue with the podcast i
1: i i I, the (laughs) fact that you thought that was true is so incredible it makes me think you must really believe in let's do this as a catchphrase you must think people love it I, I just got it tattooed
0: only last week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now you're too embarrassed to shed. I can't. Say. I'm
0: not. Sure, I'm not sure they're sending you any pictures.
1: Yeah, it's all, it's a huge tattoo all across your shoulders. Um, okay, go on then. Ask me a question. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this.
0: Wise Marklar says, "What are your expectations for us in the Champions League next season?" I know it sounds a bit much, but I'm personally hoping for a semi-final appearance, uh, appearance providing we don't get a ridiculously hard draw.
1: What pot are we going to be in? Is that two. known yet? 2. Okay. That's not too bad, is it? I mean, it's better than 4. Sure. I think there was some talk that we might have gone into 3, so Right. I, I'm happy with pot I 2. I think it's
0: to do with somebody else doing something and then because of that uh, it changed for somebody else and therefore we are then in pot 2. But that's the technical answer. I just didn't want to blindside people with too much information, you know.
1: Which means that we will uh draw i mean pot 1's got some interesting teams in it we will draw one of um Ma- uh Sevilla Barcelona Napoli Bayern Munich PSG Benfica or Feyenoord that's pot 1 uh, so some... going to be fucking bayern munich isn't it jesus christ obviously it's going to be bayern munich but you know you'd be quite happy if it was feyenoord or benfica or sevilla wouldn't you you would you would uh yeah. or
0: even PSG because they're absolutely shy in the Champions League. So
1: Pots three and four are still to be sort of finalised because obviously there's qualifications uh, to come. Mm. Um, a few, you know, AC Milan are in pot three, for example. Um, Red Star, think- Belgrade, Shakhtar Donetsk,
0: Lazio. <laughs> sure. Pot 4 Celtic Newcastle Union Berlin. Newcastle. It does look
1: weird seeing Newcastle in the Champions League again. It does, yeah. Uh I think I think given we're in Pot 2, we should we should be we should be getting out of the group really. Mm-hmm. I think we should. Um I th- I think semi-finals would be uh I don't think it's I don't think it's unrealistic necessarily. Premier League's a very strong league and we're one of the strongest teams in that league. Um, I might say quarterfinals for me, uh, I think is about what I imagine. But, you know, it's a cup competition. it So much depends on the draw. Mm. It's sort of hard to know. I certainly expect us to get into the knockouts. Um, yeah, and I would like to see us reach at least the quarterfinals. What about yeah, you? Yeah,
0: I think that's about... I mean, obviously I'd like to see us go much further than that, but I think our first tilt back at the Champions League after so many years out of it, you know, with the demands then of Premier League and Champions League uh, that we're going to have to deal with and understand and come to terms with physically and mentally, that schedule is quite demanding, I think. So if we got to quarterfinals think that would be that would be pretty decent but of course uh, you know how you view your exit from a cup competition uh you know you can't really predict how you're going to feel about it you might say now or well, going out in the quarterfinals yeah that'd be pretty decent but if you go out in the quarterfinals having won the first leg three nil and then get beaten four three in the second leg you know it's going to color your opinion of that but you know just as a guideline as a marker i think that wouldn't be a bad uh aim anyway
1: I am fascinated to see how we do because, you know, Mikel Arteta's record in Europe is is mm. patchy at best. You know, I, I think he's had a, a couple of fairly um, unimpressive exits. Uh, so I think he's got something to prove. And, and obviously the Champions League is a different calibre of competition as well. First time for him, first time for a lot of these players. Mm. Uh yeah, I, I think, and I think that there, there probably is an adjustment, a period of learning to go with that. I mean, look how long it took Man City to win the bloody thing with mm. all the advantages they've got, um, and with Guardiola at the helm. So, I'm not expecting us to go into it and you know win it, but yeah. I think we, I, I want to see us give a good account of ourselves. Certainly. Um, what about this question? We had a couple of questions along this line, Matt Taylor who's at matt 9 says, Goodly sunny day to you, gents. With the club tying down our star players to long-term deals, do you think we should be tying down Arteta to a new deal? His current contract expires in 2025, and we know that Barca and Madrid are interested in him. And then Ali Wood, AliBoy82, said, Goodly morning. Reports coming out this morning, Pep is likely to leave City when his contract expires in 2025. This coincides exactly with when Arteta's contract with us currently expires. Are you concerned?
0: No, not concerned. Um, I can see how people might put two and two together there and come up with four. Um, I mean, I think there is a slight difference with manager contracts in that things can change for a manager very, very quickly, you know, in a way that they don't usually with a player unless they absolutely plummet um, themselves into insignificance.
1: That's true. I mean, for a start, managers can move at any time, mm. uh, not just within windows. And it is departures, resignations, sackings, that mm. precipitate movement, really, yeah. in, that, in those environments.
0: Yeah, managers very rarely tend to leave of their own volition. You know? Yeah. They they get moved on. Um, so, no, I'm not that worried about our tennis contract yet. Uh, I think if our trajectory continues, if the – if the job and the work that he's doing is, and it, you know, it feels to me anyway, uh, I can't speak for him, but I'm guessing that this will have been, despite the disappointment, quite a fulfilling season for him, you know, to have seen his team improve in the way that they did individually, collectively, that must be very fulfilling when you're a coach, when you're a manager, because that's what the job is all about, right? So I feel like as long as the work is fulfilling to him and he feels like he still has places to go and things to do and things he wants to achieve, I don't worry too much about him. Um, I mean, I think the lure of Barcelona will be something we have to contend with down the line at some point, maybe. Maybe. Um then again it might just be a question of timing where you know his, his time at Arsenal comes to an end and the job at Barcelona is open at some point where where he can step into it I, you know but I don't really worry about about him going to city to replace Guardiola not now anyway um no
1: i i mean he signed his last contract uh just over a year ago didn't he Mikel? Mm. um with Jonas uh, I, I, I you know, I think it would be quite swift for the club to be giving him another one. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if those conversations start before too long. Um, you know, he, he he continues to impress, and I think he is going to be a pretty prized manager in Europe. So I think it's something the club should be attentive to. Mm. I would imagine the contract he signed. Um, last spring included some sort of bonus or uplift for Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League. So mm-hmm. I think it's very possible that he's had a pay rise this summer um, effectively, which obviously helps. But yeah, I, I think I think if you've got a manager that other people are going to want, um, mm. then you need to tie them down. But the reality is that it's borderline impossible to keep a manager who decides they want to go anyway. You know, like... Same with
0: a player. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, I, yeah, I think even more difficult with the manager because the buyout of the contract is usually... The compensation is usually so much more attainable. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think we can... We can get him to sign another contract at some point in time. But ultimately, as long as he's happy and fulfilled at Arsenal and feels his ambitions can be met, then I think we're all good if he decides he wants to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid or Man City, the contract we have with him probably isn't going to stop him Yeah, in that case.
0: That's true. That's true. Okay. Here's a question from Van Pike on the Discord. He said, despite the public announcement, I still believe Arsenal would sell Emile Smith-Rowe at the right price. Do you both really believe the club or are they trying to retain value in the player?
1: Interesting question and one I've sort of seen posited elsewhere. I think there was a link this week with West Ham potentially um that I saw on social media. A couple of people asked me about I do believe the club's position. I think I think that what they are what they said is not something they put out as an announcement or a piece of PR. Ye- they had a private meeting with the players' camp and communicated that to them. And that information subsequently came out our other sources. I just think in that scenario, you're going to be honest with the player, most likely. Mm. Now, I don't think it precludes if the player is really determined to go and is like, I'm not happy, I want to leave. I understand you want to keep me, but I'm going to push and push and push to go. As we were just saying, a player's will often can be decisive. But I don't think Emil Smith-Rowe, while I wouldn't describe him as happy with last season, I don't think he's quite in that, at the other end of the spectrum, where he's going to fight to get out of Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it feels like the slate has been wiped clean a little bit. And I'm not saying he's in last chance saloon or anything like that. But I think if he has another indifferent season, then the club's willingness to to retain him or his willingness to stay will be will be tested. But I think this time around, we're trying to build something. I don't know why he would want to leave, you know, unless there's some sort of irreparable breakdown in a relationship. That doesn't seem to be the case. Um, you know, he's going to have a chance in preseason. He's going to have a chance to to show what he's made of, and uh, you know, this might be um, as we were trying to find explanations for how little he was used, it might be just something as simple as this is Mikel Arteta's way of really, really challenging Emile Smith Rowe. Um, yeah, that said, if someone came in with big money, I'm sure it would be tempting, but, uh, I don't think they're actively, um, trying to sell him or anything like that.
1: Well, wouldn't this be the worst time to sell him as well yeah. in some respects? Like,
0: yeah.
1: I, I just think his stock's not particularly high right now. So I think let's rehabilitate him a bit, get him involved, play some games, score some goals. If it then doesn't work out, at least we're selling him with a more appropriate value than right now, where I'd say his sure. value is probably, you know, substantially lower than it was 12 months ago. hmm Yep. Um... <laughs> Have you seen all the uh, chat about Arsenal's players getting hitched? Um, there's been a lot of weddings in, of late. So Golds at 73 says, with the recent spate of Arsenal players and staff getting married uh, and, he, uh, and having babies, and he cites uh, White, Gabriel, Ramsdale, Kivior. Um, Do you think this will make them feel more at home at Arsenal? I've seen people sort of suggesting that, you know, this is kind of like what Fergie used to do, convince his young stars to settle down early so he could keep them focused on their football for the next five years. I do you mean, think there's anything to that?
0: No, that's just bollocks. Isn't it really? <laughs> I mean, do you think Mikel Arteta's in his fucking, in his office at London Colney and he's like, right, line up outside, boys. I want to have a word with all of you. You have to get married yeah. You must get married.
1: someone immediately.
0: Yes. You must have a baby and get married because, you know, uh, that that will keep you on the straight and narrow. I mean, fuck's sake. I don't really. I think it's, you know, a case that they are, I don't know, young men, successful young men, and um, a lot of people, footballers or otherwise, get married in their 20s, right? Mm. Um we'll I, have children. Yeah, exactly. So... You know the idea that this is some sort of Arteta master plan is just
1: absolute shite. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I think it is an Arteta master plan.
0: Do you think uh, he's about
1: it in the Athletic? No, <laughs> no I don't. Do you think uh, Arteta's yeah, think
0: got it... his own boat in his back garden and, as captain of a ship, he can do all the fucking weddings himself? Then you know, get the barbecue on. I <laughs> do on
1: the barbecue? Yeah, you no. Know,
0: what a load of uh, shit. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: well, listen, I congratulate them all on their good yeah, news. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: Congratulations. Well done, happy lives together. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope they all have tremendous happy lives with their wives and their children, and as families and all the rest of it. But this idea, you know, that it's an edict or a deliberate ploy from Arteta, I just don't think that's. Uh, it doesn't make any sense.
1: I think that um, the idea that it's some sort of uh, managerial masterstroke uh, is is a little far fetched. But, and I think to be fair has been suggested with a bit of tongue-in cheek right but but I think that um, I do think it's it is prob possibly a positive possibly a positive that that you know these players well it's not that it's a positive what's happening is we've got a group of young players who are like a certain age twenty three twenty four where a lot of footballers do you know, get married and start families quite young and they are entering a new phase of their lives and for a lot of them it coincides with committing their futures to the club as well and i just basically think that w- what that's telling you is a story about a club that are sort of moving into an era do you know what i mean that like this collection of people are putting down some roots for the next few years both in their professional and personal lives and there's a commitment
0: there yeah i think and that's I think, fair i think that's a yeah. i think that's a fair observation based on what's happening but just the idea that you know uh Mikel arteta is getting all his players to get married so they'll settle down and you know like rich young men um i mean yeah, I just, I don't like that aspect of it or that suggestion, tongue in cheek, uh, as it might be. I, I just think it's nonsense, but it it probably does speak to how settled they feel um, yeah. that this is a place where they do want to start a family. And I don't mean that they're all going to start their family on, you know, the Arsenal training ground or anything like that. But <laughs> do you see that the picture Pablo crash. Marie posted yesterday?
1: Yes, on his Instagram, uh, we, somebody sent that to us as well. That uh, it was extraordinary. Yeah, I mean,
0: and then Silvio Berlusconi died. Do you think Berlusconi uh, heart was attack, just? I imagine, yeah, after exactly. Seeing... Just opened up his Instagram, was like, <gasps>
1: <laughs> you know, it occurs to me that in Pablo, Marie, and Granite Shaka, we are potentially losing two of our most handsome players. Um, is this something we need to address in the transfer market? Do we need to do our predictions again?
0: We've got Ben White. It's fine. We've got Ben White in his beach gear, his beach cravat. Did you see that?
1: He's going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, sure On the looks front.
0: Okay. Here's a question from Timorous Me. And he says, goodly summer morning, gents. I think we can all agree. This is slightly related to this. He said, I think we can all agree that one of the best things that has made this group so fun to cheer for is that almost across the board, everyone seems to be of high character, sort of a no pricks policy. Like my baseball team, the Giants have been employing recently. I don't know enough about baseball to comment on that side of things. He said, this seems great for a happy workplace and all, but do you think there's a benefit to, ha- to actually having a couple of pricks in the room and on the pitch, especially without Xhaka, who I think he is calling a prick um, inadvertently here, or maybe advertently. He said, could we, uh, could we be too nice for our own good?
1: Do you know what? I think we have got quite a few pricks.
0: And I say that with
1: love. Like, I, I love Ben White, I but he's a bit of a prick, Like,
0: I think. I mean, if he wasn't playing for us, he's one of those guys where you'd be like, nah, not not having him. Not that guy. You not know what I mean? Him.
1: And, like, if, if Aaron Ramsdale doesn't play for you, I think you probably think he's a prick. Yeah. Like, I think we do have that slight prickishness, um, spikiness in our dressing room. But maybe because we love them so dearly, we don't necessarily interpret it that way. Um, Shaka, of course, yeah, he would be one. Um, but I think one of the things that's encouraging about this group is that they are, you know, they are good guys and we like them and they seem to really get on with each other, which is a massive positive. But I I don't think they lack an edge. I think it is present. And I, I think we could do with a little bit more of it, Maybe. But I think there are, there is some of it present. in
0: I agree, and I think there's a conflation maybe with prickishness and you know character. Um, like you can be highly driven, highly motivated, professional, and you want to win every game, but you don't have to be an absolute bastard all the time, right? Yeah, some exactly. people are like that. Context. Roy Keane, for example, was very driven, wanted to win, highly motivated. And an absolute bastard every single time he stepped out onto the pitch and crossed the line a few times, of course, as we know. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to be that way to demonstrate character or leadership or, or or you know willingness to to scrap for each other and fight for each other on the pitch. You know, mm. um, I am I am curious to see sort of who steps up in that regard in the absence of Shaka if he goes, because I do think he is a, a, a big character in the dressing room and all the rest of it, 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 that space, that vacuum will inevitably be filled, but by who? And, you know, to what extent, um, you know, is, is, or are those players going to emerge? Like, I think you, you've spoken before a little bit about Zinchenko and Jesus as kind of dressing room leaders, and maybe mm-hmm. they become a bit more influential, but I also think that that English core that we might have if you've got Ramsdale, Saka, Smith-Rowe, uh, Ben White, Declan Rice, if he comes in, I think that might be another aspect to it as well. And and maybe someone like Declan Rice, even if he is only going to be a new arrival, uh, if that deal goes through, I think the fact that he's come as, uh, you know, somebody with experience of captaining West Ham you know, is a kind of a natural, not a natural replacement, but but somebody who would find that kind of thing um, natural to him. You know what I mean? That he will he will be an influential player, hopefully, but I think he'll also be an influential personality.
1: Yeah, and I think it's no coincidence with, with trying to sign a player who's a captain elsewhere when Shaka is potentially leaving. Mm. I mean, you know, the... Yeah. We've got a number of captains in the squad. That's something we spoke about a bit last season. Um, We've captained their countries or been captains of previous clubs. I think that's important. But I am, like you, curious to see who will be uh, the first to the fight, if you know what I mean. Mm. When a tackle goes in on an Arsenal player that's not okay... You could pretty much guarantee that Shaka would be the first ma- first man there. Sure. Um, sometimes, <laughs> to his uh, disastrous yeah. consequences yeah. on one or two occasions. Um, who will that man be next season? Mm. I am curious to find out, like you. I think Zinchenko. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Big Gabby. I think would be another name I would throw in as who might take on a bit of that mantle. Um, but we will discover, you know, only when there's that vacuum created will certain people step up. For sure, for sure. Um, this is a question, a hypothetical question that I thought was quite interesting from Red Action um, on Twitter. Hypothetical question. If the original rumour of Arteta being appointed had actually gone ahead and the Emery era had never happened, where do you think we would be now in terms of squad building and success?
0: Oof. That's a really good question. My short answer is that I don't think Mikel Arteta would be in charge of Arsenal.
1: Yeah. Interesting. A few people said that in the replies under, you know, I, that I, yeah. it, was, that it was a poison chalice anyway, kind of
0: thing. It, you know, if not a poison chalice, it was always going to be a huge job for whoever replaced Arsene Wenger. And then, of course, you know, I think it's worth remembering that over the course of Arteta's time here, the structures have changed. Like Unai Emery was the head coach. Mikel Arteta is now the manager. But then he is, I think, better supported by Edu as sporting director or technical director than Emery was by the people that he had at the club. Because there was, you know, there was pandemonium and mayhem and uh, a lack of structure at times and power battles and all the rest of it which weren't conducive to a healthy work environment or a good football team. So those are things that I think he would have had to deal with. Um, But my gut feeling is that if he had gone in after Arsene Wenger, even with the best intentions, even with a desire to probably rebuild, because I think the rebuilding aspect of what Arsenal needed to do was obvious, you know, not just under Unai Emery, but before that, I think it would have just chewed him up a little bit and uh, we would be in a different place now. And I'm not sure it would necessarily be a better place.
1: No, I, I tend to agree that I'm not sure he would have survived that. Um, and I think that even if he had, I, I can't really see a scenario where we'd be better off now than we are at this point in time. Mm. And part of the reason for that is that Arsenal were bound by quite a lot of contracts they had with playing staff that restricted what they were able to do with the squad and the speed of the rebuild. Um, And those contracts, you know, largely were kind of set in stone. Mm. So I think that that was in some ways the biggest hindrance to our progress. Um, So I, I don't think we'd be any better off. Certainly. And I think there's a chance we'd be worse off because Arteta would have failed and we would have gone another path. And I'm not sure many managers could have elicited, uh you know, the sort of season we saw last season mm. from, from, from any Arsenal group. Yeah, I
0: think, I think we sort of needed to hit a little bit of a rock bottom without sort of over uh dramatizing it I think we had to hit that little bit of a rock bottom which is where we ended up Uh, and I am not saying this is Unai Emery's fault but I think you know that that period and it maybe includes some of the Arteta period as well when you when you consider how the the first part of his first full season went you know I think that that was included in that and from there you have to set more realistic goals for yourself mm-hmm. and for your football club and I think we saw that with the the way we we started um changing our approach to recruitment and and all the rest of it so so there we go um let's have one more before we go cuz we got to get this podcast out okay gooner works says goodly morning gents what are some activities that you would recommend to replace constantly refreshing twitter for transfer news updates <laughs>
1: Uh, good question. Well, sun's out now, you know? There's, the, the world's your oyster, surely.
0: Yeah, literally um, anything.
1: Yeah. How are you, are you sort of keeping your head out of uh, the, I, I suppose you've got a kind of professional obligation. To yes, stay on top
0: of it. sort of, but I'm, you know, the window isn't open yet. Uh, I feel quite sanguine or, sanguine is not the I feel quite relaxed about this window. Yeah. In that, I think the manager, and maybe even Edu, if he spoke recently, have made it very, very clear what needs to be done. Hmm. Now, I I don't know that we're going to get exactly everything that we want, but I just feel pretty assured that they know what they want to do, and I also feel assured that the resources are going to be there for them to do it. My KSE have not... um, you know, close the checkbook in any way in the last number of years, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, and now we have champions league money and all the rest of it. I I feel like we, you know, for all the reasons that we've spoken about, we're going places, we're an attractive destination. We've got a good young manager, good young team, you know, London champions league, champions league money, all of that stuff. I feel like it's a hugely important window. But I also feel like it could be one of the least complicated windows we have in terms of all the things that we have going for us that make it easier to attract players and uh, and get deals done. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty pretty calm. All things
1: considered, yeah, I- I'm the same. I-, I feel like we hold more chips this summer than we have for a long time. Mm, you know, chips, mm, chips. Go for some. Go and have some nice chips. Some you know, fish and chips. Fish and chips—what a way to while away the transfer window!
0: It could, like at least seven minutes of a day eating some fish and chips, and then you can spend the rest of the day
1: refreshing on I oh, no. I
0: strongly advise deleting Twitter off your phone if you really are, um, you know, constantly refreshing all the time. Delete it off your phone. After a couple of days, you don't miss it.
1: So. That must be blissful, yeah. Mm. So yeah. that's one way of dealing with it, yeah. Yeah, but listen. Nothing to worry about. It's all in hand. It's going to be fine. We're going to get 100 million in sales, guys.
0: Or 132 million or 121 million. 122. Yeah. I've forgotten what I said now. 122. 122 yeah. 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 Wow. Lovely. Maybe you can even spend a bit more if you get that much money in. Oh, yeah, 300
1: million we'll spend with
0: that. 322. All right, Uh, we had better leave it there for now. Get this podcast out to you guys. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for listening. Thanks for being with us, and we will catch you on the next one.
1: Bye-bye.